Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, just bringing Harms up. Harms, who has the beautiful sound of birdsong coming through his microphone. I can hear it in my head. You can hear that. Whereas I'm, yeah, I can hear the birdsong. Let me close the windows. In the countryside. <laughs> me, no, no, it's go. lovely. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm in, um, so where I am, I'm at Isla Dogs at the moment. I'm next to the building site of a 75-story residential tower. It's a, the tallest um, residential tower in the whole of the UK. I think it's wow. almost as tall as Canary Wharf. No um, birds there. Yeah, and, and it's right next door. Um, wow. An okay, amazing gonna, tower. Don't close the window. It's lovely. I'm, I'm going to close it. It's lovely for us, but it's going to be a nightmare in audio production. So the people who help oh, us fine. do our audio production are going to kill us, or especially me for the birds. <laughs> They'll probably kill us for these kind of diversions at the beginning as well when we're meant to be doing our introduction. Um, so today is day three and we're on Wednesday and this week we are talking about business. We're really drilling down to the foundations of online business by discussing what a business actually is and what kind of activities um, you need to be performing before you jump online, you get excited, you start an e-commerce shop or an Amazon shop or whatever it is, we need to know what exactly that business is. Um, and this is a step not that many people take um, when they jump in. So really this week is all about that drill down, um, mm -hmm. especially today. I think for a lot of people, um, after today, they'll either come away thinking, ah, God, I've been doing it wrong all this time, or they'll get angry with us and yell at us. Um, yeah. Either's fine. <laughs> yeah. Either those reactions fine it means you're actually thinking about it um, we're like we're like the market you'll find at the moment we're indifferent to your opinion um yeah of course we value it so i do encourage you to subscribe like comment <laughs> join us in the slack good pivot there, good pivot <laughs> we don't but, care about you <laughs> but we're indifferent to your opinion we 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 are we come at this from a position to help you how you respond to us is none of our business that's that's a good uh, caveat could start every single show with that actually uh, if you get yeah. mad at us don't blame us. Okay, so uh, like Carl said, we we are talking about getting the basis of the foundation set. It's critical. It's essential. Yes, it takes time, but it's going to save us a lot of time and money uh, in the future and going forward. Yesterday, just to com complete that loop, yesterday we identified, if you work through that process that we shared with you yesterday, we identified how, um, uh, sorry, we identified who is the audience that you're going to speak to? Who is the marketplace that you're going to speak to? And the way we identify that is, is working out a niche idea or a market that exists based on a whole bunch of research and steps that we recommended yesterday. So now we know who we're talking to. Now we know who, i.e. which marketplace we're going to be talking to. The next big question is, which is the title of today's show, is what value do we now provide these who's these these people out there uh, within this niche marketplace and niche is the important thing that you would have identified off of yesterday's show so Kyle what's um what's a nice introduction to get them thinking about what we're going to be talking about and also um, what value they can provide to their newly found niche okay so every single successful business out there they are successful um, and they are still in business because they create something of value. This is at its core what a business does. It creates mm -hmm. something of value. Remember the five elements of business um, that Josh Kaufman outlined? I think we talked about it on Monday. Yeah, I think on Monday. Yep. Um, the first element in his five elements of business is value creation. A business needs to make something that is valuable. Um, otherwise, it's not a business. It doesn't really exist. There is no business at all. Um, and that's what we're going to be focusing on today is mm -hmm. what can you create that is valuable? Um, yeah. The physical or the, yeah, the physical or digital manifestation of this might be a product or a service, but we're kind of peeling back the layers a bit more and just talking about value yeah. um, and what value is and how we recognize value and how we provide value. Um, and Absolutely. that is the core. Um, great. So uh, today we're going to be helping you answer the following questions. What is valuable? How do we create something of value? Um, how do we, uh, in the in the way of doing that, become a problem solver? And then even ask answering the question, what problems do we solve? And then uh, and how do we access the world's problems? And then we're going to go into a deeper level on problem solving and how to really nail it down. So the first question we can start with 
uh, and I'll introduce this, which is what is valuable. So we spoke about, okay, I appreciate Josh, Josh Koshman has said, we need to create something of value. That's one of the first stages within the five business elements he speaks about. So then we ask the question, what is valuable? And the best way to determine that is who determines what is valuable? Is it Kyle? Is it harms? Do we determine what's valuable? Is it um, the media and what they portray? Is, is, is it them who determines what's valuable? Is it, uh, is it my uncle? Is it my auntie who said, yeah, that's a cracking idea. That's going to, that's going to be fantastic. Everybody's going to love that. Um, that's going to be so valuable to so many people. So many people need that. Is it our friend at the pub who we're just sharing our ideas with? Oh, you know, what? we've been thinking about this valuable idea for, for six months, 12 months, five years, 10 years. Oh, that sounds cracking. When are you going to make a start with that? We, it, no, none of those criteria, none of those people or factors determine what is valuable and what is not valuable. There's only one person, maybe give them an identity that determines what is valuable and that is the market, period. Not you, not me, not Kyle, not our friend down the pub, not our wife, not our mum, not our dad. None of those people determine what is valuable. The only person that does, and I'm giving them an identity, is this abstract thing called the market. Yeah, and I think you just mentioned you at mm. the end of that just now. That's probably the most important. It's not you. Mm. You are not the person who determines whether what you have created is valuable. Um, and we see this on Dragon's Den again and again, when somebody's created a product and they are utterly sold on the value of their own product. And they take it in front of um, you know, an impartial panel for the first time and it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter how much you love your product or you love your service and how much you think it's valuable. Um, it's really only the market's opinion of your, of your value that matters. It is the market that determines whether what you have to offer is valuable or not. So then how is value then determined? If we're saying it's mm. the market, how does the market then determine value? Sure. So that's why yesterday, um, when we started this whole process, we really um, dived in first with who. Who is the market? We can't start to determine what's valuable and what isn't valuable unless we know who the market is. We start with the market first. This is back and back, uh, us and backwards for how most people start a business. They come up with a product idea and then they try and find a market for it. We went to look for a market and then we're going to be providing products. We're going to be providing value into that market. Um, when I studied history ages ago, um, one of my modules I did was on the, uh, the Spanish and Portuguese invasion of mm. um, Central and South America. and. For the conquistadors, um, they were in love with gold. Whenever they saw the Mayan and the Aztec and the Olmecs gold, um, they went crazy for it. And the Mayans didn't understand, like, well, why do you care so much? It's just like shiny metal. Yes, they'd used in jewelry. They knew it was pretty, it was nice and shiny, but it didn't have the value um, that it did to the Spanish. And the Spanish were willing to kill and massacre a whole civilization to get at this gold. Whereas for the Mayans, it's like, eh, it's just a rock. like because they had so much of it they had devalued it and it, it didn't mean the same kind of thing and, so, and an interesting point in your notes is that uh gold is actually if we look at its usage gold is gold the material is only really useful uh for an as an electrical conductor whereas yeah. uh, and, and another example is uh something similar to that is diamonds useful for cutting and drilling so mm -hmm. it's it's diamonds, gold, silver, arguably slightly different because it seems to have made its way in all our, into our phones and things like that. But it's what we're saying here then is it's a perspective. Is that what we're saying? People have a perspective on what what is what's the worth of gold or what is valuable. And it's a perspective that starts sure. the, the formation of this value determination. I think a lot of materials in this example, we have gold and diamonds, but a lot of products and services, they might have some basic utility, which determines value. So gold, yes, is a really good electrical conductor. So we use it in a lot of our electronics. Uh, diamonds are, is really hard, so it's good for cutting stuff. But we have overlaid on top of that massive value um, on top of the base level uh, value mm. that comes from its utility. So now when we talk about the value of diamonds, the fact that it's useful for cutting is a very, very, very small part of the value and we ascribe to diamonds. Instead, it's about wedding rings. And that was from marketing. That was a company called De Beers yeah. who 100, 150, 150 years ago, 
put out a really good marketing campaign about the importance of buying engagement rings that were worth, I think it was two months of salary or three months of salary. Yeah, they, they set they, these presidents. They, they set the value. Um, so lots of people now might just assume, yeah, diamonds are valuable, but it's that that was created. That is an impression that we have of diamonds. Mm. Um, and this is the same with any product out there um, and any service. So value is very much determined by what people are willing to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, value is very much determined by the market. Um, so we start with the market and we're going to be looking today about how we create value for that market. Yeah. So, so if... If the market is the one that values what values what your product and service is, let's give you another example of putting this into perspective. So who has a greater value on water? Is it the person who's stranded in the desert? And how much would they value a glass of water stranded in the desert, the Saharan desert? It's hot, it's dry, they haven't had water for a while. How much are they willing to pay for that water versus... How much do we value water when it's just running clean water from our tap at home? How much are we willing to like that? I can just I can just get it out of the tap, which is amazing, um, yeah. by the way. But we don't think about that. We, we don't, don't we think don't value that, that value. way. Yeah. So so if the, if the water board suddenly said, actually, we're going to charge you the same as what we would charge somebody who's desperate for water in the Saharan desert, it, they they would just be uproar. It's like, hang on a minute, no, because we don't value it regardless of the importance and its utility which is a great word that carl is using what regardless of its utility and the importance of it theoretically we should be paying more for this than we do for anything else um but that's not the case because the perspective has shifted so um, so to just another point i wanted to ask you carl which is what about price because i'm currently chatting to a client and they're de they're debating on how much value to put into a product they're creating based on the mm. price that it's going to be sold at and i'm trying to explain to them everything which is why i'm really happy about i'm really excited about today's show because once we download it it's going to be a case of okay have a listen to today's show and hopefully it should make a bit more sense or might, might squeeze it because they're, they're a client so might make it really easy for them to understand and what's the what's the link between value and price mm -hmm. so Often we use value and price interchangeably. Even in the last five minutes, we've actually made this mistake of yes. use the word price. So easy to do. Um, yep. And in everyday life, it's the same thing. Um, we talk about value in terms of pounds or dollars or euros or whatever your currency is. Mm -hmm. um, it's so easy to interchange value and price, but they're not the same thing. Um, we can use price as a rule of thumb because it is used interchangeably in common speech. Um, but as we've just discussed, somebody in the Sahara Desert is going to pay a lot more um, for a glass of water than somebody else here. The, the value they have is very different. Mm. Um, we can also do, one of the reasons why we do separate them is we can do clever things with pricing. Um, so pricing strategies, that's beyond today's course, but we can make something appear more valuable by charging a higher price. Um, which is why when we talk to clients, we often say you're underpricing your product because sometimes if a customer sees a product and it is, you know, half the price of all the competitors out there, the assumption will be, oh, it's half the value or it's half as good as the competitor's product. Whereas, no, maybe it's just a cheaper price. Maybe it's a really good deal. But because um, customers and human beings as in general, we use price as a proxy, we use it as a rule of thumb for value, we would tend to automatically, psychologically val value something higher if it has a higher price. We'll look at a Prada bag that's 6,000 pounds and we'll assume, oh, that must be much, much better than this 100 pound bag. Mm. Whereas in reality, probably made in the same factory. Um, yeah. And the, a lot of the value has been added by the pricing and marketing, of course. Marketing, but we can use pricing yeah. to affect value. Um, so that's why we need to be careful about talking, um, about mixing the two up. We're mm -hmm. focusing today on value. Yeah. We're not talking about creating a high price item. We're creating a high value item. We talk about pricing strategy later. Yes. Um, that said, they are so interchangeable that Harms and I might make the mistake again of just same price but they're not the uh, same thing that's the key value and they're price connected. are connected but they're not the same thing um mm -hmm. so anyway i think yeah cars explained that very well so let's move on to the next core question which is how do we then create something of value and what we've discussed in the section just before is we know 
it we know it needs to be something that the market wants like the market would determine what's valuable so we've got that part we know that's the case it's not me it's not Kyle it's not you it's not what we deem as valuable it's the market will determine what is valuable so now we then decide how do we decide what is valuable so that's another question and we pulled a reference from Paul Graham for this part so I'm going to read this quote off to you it's in his yeah, essays Paul Graham is the founder of Y Combinator, which is one probably the most successful uh, startup accelerator and seed funding um, outfit in the US, in globally. Yeah. globally. Uh, he knows what he's talking about. That, so when I came to this question of how do we create something of value, I'm deferring basically in the notes. I'm deferring to Paul Graham because he knows what he's talking about. Um, yeah. So yeah, do you want to read the quote? Yeah, uh, Y Combinator, venture capitalist, uh, and he's got fantastic essays which expand on these topics uh, at mm. paulgraham.com. So yeah, absolutely. And where, when there is time to defer, it's best just to go to the person who who's helped start some of the biggest uh, companies and well-known names to date. Um, he knows what he's talking about. He, he, kn <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. So let's, let's jump onto the quote, which is, um, how do we decide what is valuable? That's the question. Okay, well, he says, make something people want. Again, we've been discussing this all week. There's nothing more valuable than an unmet need that is just becoming fixable. So, yep, very clear there. If you find something broken that you can fix for a lot of people, you found a gold mine. So that's it in a nutshell. How do we decide what's valuable? Well, it's actually... Um, it's, it's pretty much if we if we summarize what he's saying there, it's saying we create value by solving problems. And he's saying the more problem, the, the, the more people's problem that we can solve, the more money we'll make. It turns into a gold mine, which is why if you have a look at some of the companies he started, I'll let you explore that. You can understand how he's made a gold mine from serving a large amount of people. So the message from what Paul Graham is saying is we create value by solving problems problems and that's the key so if, if you haven't heard of white combinator you might have heard of some of their companies uh so airbnb you might have heard of that one that's quite a big one uh dropbox <laughs> um i think he's did he was he behind instagram stripe which you probably don't know but we use every single day it's it's like paypal yeah uh, but better but they they have an amazing list of companies that they have helped Start mm -hmm. from the ground up. Yeah. So yeah, where businesses are in the business of creating value, the best way to create value for a market is to solve problems. Um, I'm actually reading T. Harbecker's what's it called? Um, Millionaire Money Mind. One. Millionaire Mind. Yeah. I feel like it's that MMMMI. I went. I went to his it, live it, event. It's fantastic. It it's got the worst cover. It's um purple cover with lots of dollar yeah. signs all yeah. over it yeah. it's like yeah. make a million but the content inside is fantastic it's just yeah. quite an old school cover but t harbecker in it he talks about how an entrepreneur a business owner is a problem solver that's that's what you do as an entrepreneur um and so that's how you create a business so you solve problems um and he's got a quote is uh, the way to make a lot of money is to solve problems for a lot of people Mm. Um, so the more people you can help, the more people you can solve problems for, the more people who have something broken that you can fix, in the words of Paul Graham, um, the more successful your business will be. Yeah. So, so, so that, okay, go, go for it. And so to create some of the value, we need to know what the problems are mm. and then we can set about fixing them. Um, and that sounds simple. Sounds simple on paper. Yeah, it is. It, this is a simple idea. It's not simplistic. Um, there's a lot of thought, a lot of clever people who have thought about this. Um, and it's not how most people approach business. That's This is what we want to talk about today. This really requires a shift in your mindset about how you approach business and why you're getting into business and how you operate on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's why we're spending today really delving into this um, yes so let's talk about yeah. let's talk about the topic then on how do we shift that mindset and become a problem solver because you know the reality is and i don't know if there's a correlation between business failures business change etc but a lot of people get into business purely for themselves that's the reality mm -hmm. and we get that you know you've got bills to pay 
you've got a dream of financial independence. You've got a dream of, um, you know, you, you like have goals. I want a, I, I want a really nice car, a holiday home, a large home in the UK or wherever you're based. You'll have these dreams. I want to send my kids to private school. And all of that will come from the fact that I want to create this business because it's going to have, it's got something in it for me. Um, a large part to do with that is often to do with the money involved and the money potentially that can be made. And all of this is fine. Like that's great. Mm -hmm. That's probably needed as part of a part of the motivation to go do it. You know, money is a factor um, and that will be a reward as we solve the problems. But once we, the market and to, to summarize this in terms of what I've just spoke about there, that's all my desire. So let's assume harms. I want to get into business. I want financial independence. And I've done this with some of my ideas. This has been the thought process behind it. I want to get into business. I want to get, uh, I want the prestige that comes with it. I want the income that comes with it. I want the independence, the autonomy that comes with it, all these great things that come with the business. And at no point did I think about the market because the reality is the market couldn't care less about what I would want from as an outcome from this business. They mm -hmm. just don't care. A customer doesn't purchase from me thinking, Oh, I'm, I'm so happy I can send their kids to private school. Oh, I'm so happy yeah. I can pay their bills this month. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. The market doesn't think like that. The market just he's doesn't got, care. He's got such a big lease on that sports car. I'm so happy I can pay that for him. Yeah, oh, I, I love you. their Ferrari. I love their Lamborghini. I'm so glad that by buying this product, I can allow them to buy another Lamborghini or pay for mm. next month's lease rent. Mm -hmm. But the, here's the thing. I, I did say the market doesn't care, but... The, it's not that the market doesn't care about you. Like it's going out of its way to bring you down and drag you down. It's not against you. It's not for you. It's just indifferent. It's just, you know, it's not uh, for, it's not against, it's not pro you. It's not, um, it's not it biased. It doesn't you exist. It just, basically. it's just indifferent. Yeah. You just, yeah. you just mean nothing to it, but also uh, the opposite of that. So it just, it is, I think the best way to summarize it, it's just indifferent. It's it's equal in regards to how much it cares and how much it doesn't care. Um, it's not positive. It's not negative. It's neutral. It's, it's indifferent. It's completely. It doesn't care about your problems. It doesn't care about your successes. Mm, absolutely. So Sorry. so once so <laughs> that's the first thing to get to understand about becoming a problem solver is that it's not about the problems you've got to solve internally, which is the, keep the bills, um, the, the flash car I want, the holiday home, the holidays, all that stuff that you may have as goals in your life. I want to travel. All of that's great, but the market don't care. So that's the first mindset shift to get on, on board with. Once we know that and that the customer, the end customer, the market just is indifferent to any of that, then we can now move on to the second part, which is actually solving their problems. Carl, what's your thoughts on now shifting over to that, that kind of mindset? Mm. So once we've managed to clear out our problems from the equation, we're not thinking about um, the bills we have to pay, we're not paying about uh, the prestige we get from running the business. Once we manage to clear out our problems, we have more space to think about the problems of our customers, the problems of the market. Mm. And remember, we create value by solving problems. Now we have the space to take in the problems of the market and start working on solving those. Um, and ultimately, this is how we're going to build a business. We're going to be solving their problems. We're not going to be solving our problems. Um, this is a big difference. Now, there's a nice side effect. By doing this, by solving the problems of other people, you are creating value. By creating value, you're going to get paid for that value, which means your business is going to grow and your problems will get solved. It's a win-win, but we have to start by solving their problems instead of focusing only on our problems. Mm. So Does that make sense? That does make sense. And the way to think about this in terms of the next step is, right, Harms, Carl, I get the fact that this is not about me. I need to solve their problems. And according to Paul Graham and T.R. Becker and lots of amazing other minds who've done this work, the more people's problem I can solve as a byproduct, as a side effect, we're going to make a lot of cash. Okay, that's great. That's a bonus. Mm -hmm. But the, let's bring it back down to the core, which is I know I need to solve their problems. So what's what's the f the next mindset shift required well that becomes from uh constantly just talking at somebody and flipping that on its head and listening first then providing an answer and the best way to think about this and if you're in business currently whether it's uh, a different generation whether it's our generation this this thing that we call networking networking events still exists 
Um, there's some fantastic sites that help. <laughs> well, well, not right now. Or not right now, but, uh, but it's called networking. It's called like Zoom networking or or whatever the yeah. app yeah, yeah. is called. Uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, but it's not in the conventional sense. But even a Zoom networking call or or a a group call, if you've got a session, it's often there's always somebody or a group of people within that networking environment. Whether it's the the lead speaker, but often I've experienced it with the interaction. So you have a network event, somebody comes and talks to you as a presentation, and now you're networking. You're actually doing what it says on the tin. In this process, you'll often hear somebody just tell you what they do, how they can help you. Uh, here's their business card. Here's their website. Follow them on social media. And at no point do they stop or at no point do they start the conversation, which is, look, I appreciate you're here. Do you have any problems? Do you have any challenges that are going on at the moment that I may be able to help with. Now, a good mentor, actually, somebody we both mutually know, a guy called Mark, help help get this into my head because when he runs networking meets, the first thing he does before he starts reeling off anything about anything, he says, uh, put your hands up if you have these common problems. So he streamlines the fact about talking to everybody individually. But what he'll do is uh, raise your hand if you have this problem. Raise your hand if you have this problem. And he starts to put people in buckets and then can quickly identify where he needs to spend his time on in terms of his talk, in terms of the advice he's giving, because actually most of the people have X problem. They don't have Y problem. Whereas most people walk into the room ready to talk about what they have to say, not what problem, not answering the question that people have. So f- flipping this on the head and giving, uh, listening first, and then answering is amazing. And the amount of businesses or ideas you'll be able to solve and start based on just that principle alone is going to be remarkable. So now we've, now Carl, we've shifted from understanding that like, the market decides they're indifferent. They don't care what we have to say. We have to solve their problem, not ours. You know, that's, that's a big shift already. The third thing is the way we can do this is by listening first and answering. Now, what's a final mindset shift that somebody can can go take on board. And again, this is not going to happen instantly. Uh, you know, it took me years to to stop freaking talking about myself and go to a networking meet and say, what's going on? How can I help you? What's the, what's the challenges that you're facing? I may have faced myself. Once somebody gives you a problem that your service already aligns with, then it's a lot easier to talk about the service that you provide. It becomes a lot easier. So listen first and answer. What's the next mindset shift? Yeah, so it's connected, um, but it's a more general so listening first, then answering, that's about communication. That's about making sure it's a two-way dialogue. So you're actually hearing their problems before you want the solution. But more generally, we also need to learn to give um, before we receive and preferably give more than we receive back. Um, a lot of businesses will start off, or sorry, a lot of entrepreneurs or people starting up, because they're focusing on their problems, it's all about what do I receive? Um, how do I get the money now because I need to you know, pay my bills, I need to buy this sports car that I've been promised by owning a business. Um, so they try and receive immediately, immediately, immediately. You need to prove your value first before anybody's going to give you anything. Um, this is especially true online because it's such a busy space with lots of people talking at the same time. Um, so you need to prove your value, you need to prove that you're trustworthy first. If you focus on solving your problem, which is pay me money, you know, here's my PayPal, send me money now uh, for whatever your product is. Um, and if you just tell them your solution about listening, buy my product right now, you're going to be ignored. I mean, we call it spam. When you get an email, which is basically, hey, here's a great product, you should buy it right now, here's a link to buy it, that's spam. Um, whether that's on Facebook group, whether that's an email, or whether that's you going up to somebody physically at a networking event, shoving a business card in their face and telling them they should buy from you. It, it doesn't work anymore. You yeah. need to build value. You need to build trust first. And online, um, so we need to prove. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, and online, it's it's even more d- challenging to just receive um, because what we're talking about is a difference here between giving and receiving, and it is incredibly difficult online now. As busy as it is, the amount of people vying for your attention, your money, your cash, all of those things, it becomes a lot more challenging. Challenging online. This is like taking the offline world. And putting it on steroids because there's that many people who who you're 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 trying to receive from 
you know, especially if you haven't done Monday and Tuesday's uh, lesson and started to ident- identify your niche and who you're actually speaking to, it could become extremely difficult. Mm. Which is why it's so important to prove your value first and to mm. do that, we need to give. We need to give first before we receive. You will receive, that will happen. When people see the value, when you help solve their problems, they will reward you for that. There will be payment um, in purchases of your products, uh, purchases of your services. services. This is hard, especially for people who are getting into business and online business for the first time. Um, because uh, so if you've had a job, you're used to doing a set amount of work. You work for the week and then you get paid. That's what happens, right? You get paid and remunerated immediately for your work. Um, you expect to receive it immediately. And that's not really a question when you are salaried. When you are starting your own business, it's not the same as we've seen in a paycheck. You need to actually go out there and prove your value, prove your worth, um, which is why it's much riskier than just receiving a paycheck. But if what you do create, um, if what you give to the market is really valuable and they recognize that, then the rewards are much, much, much higher than if you are being salaried. Um, but it's up to you to prove that. You have to prove that value first. Yeah, and, it, and, and I agree, it's an extremely difficult shift because that's the final mm. part, which many people listening to this may be from... Uh, an employee or that they're used to getting paid for the work pretty immediately or delay even freelancers uh will sit in between this which is look i've done this work for you now i'm going to get paid but now we're taking this to another level which is becoming a business owner whether it's online whether it's business period it becomes extremely challenging because sometimes i mean you know we face this you have to prove your value for months on end you have to prove your value in some cases online, depending what niche you're in, for years before you can um, before you can actually be remunerated for that. Um, and that's just a reality of it, um, which is why s- some people are suited within a job ecosystem. Some people are suited within the f- fact of actually I'm I've got this mindset, which is I understand I have to give, 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 and my time will come. Um, whether it's a car make effect, whatever, however you want to describe it, you will receive at some point in the future, but it comes with a mindset shift. It comes with the fact that you will get paid at some point in the future, but because you have to prove your value in order to do that first. And the the tough thing is we don't know how long you have to prove that value for. We don't know your niche. We don't know your kind of customer. It depends on the the market entirely. It's up to the market. We can't tell you how long it's going to take. Um, It depends on what, problems you're solving for which market for which market absolutely um, so the market decides so that so then we move <clears> on <throat> to the next big question which is what problems do we solve because we now have identified we need to create value by solving problems and we need to we know we know we need to focus on them not us that's that's amazing but what problems do we then solve now what do we do because we could do it the old school way which is you know surveys focus groups and just head out there into the world and say, which is quite difficult at the moment where we are, but head out into the world and just say, what problems do what's you have? Problem? What's, what's, your problem? Problem? what's your problem? What's your problem? What's your problem? And start telling these things up and then look at, okay, actually 10 people in the sample size of 100 have this problem. That must be a great area to start solving somebody's problem within. Um, they've got a whole bunch of problems. Let's start there. Now, what if we told you that a company, you know, what if we told you that a company exists and it's got a database of information, which, and it's, it's a remarkable company, it's actually amazing. And they've got a database of information which you can have access to. And I'm building up the value here, by the way. But this, this database will give you everybody's problems. It will give you all the problems that people have in the world and it will lay it out there for you. You don't even have to leave your house to access this. Um, what if we said you could have access to that? That would be amazing, right, to get started. And that will give you all the answers you need specifically within what problems do we solve. That would be amazing, right? And if you're listening to this, you're probably nodding your head saying, yeah, give me access to that database. I want access to it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably thinking we're trying to sell you something. Okay, this, this is where... This is where me and Kyle sell you on the ultimate database. And what's interesting, <laughs> I, I, I was reading, we'll share it in a moment, but I was reading the Boron letters yesterday just as a refresh. And, you know, back then they had access to 
mailing lists. So they could purchase a mailing list which had mm. people's problems which they could solve. Um, and I actually have no idea if that still exists, but it does in a different sense. So Carl, do you want to tell them what we're selling them? Yeah, um, unfortunately, it's free and we can't sell you anything here. You might have heard of this little company. It's a little boutique agency uh, known as Google. Uh, you might have heard of them. They're up and coming, apparently. So <laughs> if, if you've ever used Google. Who's that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who's Google? Uh, weird name. Stupid name. You know, it was named by, I'm not sure if it's Eric or Sergey's kid. Um, no, wow. it's, it's named after Googleplex, the number, which is a very big number. Um, Google was on the beginning of that, and it's a cool, cool word, and nobody had got the URL, so they're like, yeah, that'll do. That'll do, well, anyway, there we go. Um, so when you go to Google, what you're actually doing, what is Googling something, uh, or Google it, what does that mean? What you're doing is you're asking the internet uh, a question. You are something, a query. We call it a search query. That is the technical name. It is a question. It doesn't really matter whether you actually phrase it as a question. Some people do. They'll write, like... Um, how, how what is the best way for me to make sourdough bread mm. question mark so, so some people write it in full sentences most of us don't we'll just write um sourdough best method boom that's done we know that that's shorthand um basically to ask google a question because google is the largest um question answering and problem solving platform on the planet um the i mean when was the last time you used Google? We use it for absolutely everything. Um, I was watching uh, the show the other day. Half an hour ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, we, we don't even think about it now. Mm. Um, but it is the way we find information. And it might be, I'm sorry, we find information and we solve problems. It might be something as stupid and innocuous as watching a show. I was watching New Girl. I recognize the actor. Um, and I was like, oh, I recognize the actor. Who is he? Normally, I'd have to go and ask friends or how else would you look at the encyclopedia like how do we do <laughs> I don't know, we did, what did we do before google i'm not sure but now i would just put in name of actor new girl um and then there'd be a bunch of pictures and i'd be able to see his face oh that's jake johnson fine i had a problem my problem was who's that guy i recognize him i'd really like to know who he is and google gave me the answer gave, mm. google gave me the solution so even if we don't think of google as solving our problems because we might be asking silly stuff like that that's what it's doing. That is inherently Google's purpose is to answer problems for us. Um, more complex, if you want to learn Chinese, you type in, uh, so you know you want to learn Chinese. That is your desire. That's your want. The problem is you don't know how to start. You don't know the best way to learn Chinese. So that's your problem. My problem is I do not know the best way to start to learn Chinese. So I will ask how to learn Chinese in Google or best way to learn Chinese or learn Chinese. Um, and the second result is one of my articles. I'm going to do a little plug there. Um, oh, I nice. have a favorite teacher, Kyle. I'm the second result on Google now. I've, it used to be first, um, but now Duolingo is on top of me. But oh, I mean, Duolingo and their millions of pounds of budget, yeah. Yeah, well, just a big site, really. But um, that is a more sophisticated example of asking Google to solve a problem for you. You have a specific problem. It's not who's an actor, but instead, okay, what is the best way for me to learn a language? Google will give you the answer. Mm. Um, so what can we do with this? We, we all use Google on a daily basis um, to ask questions because we have problems. Now, the great thing is all of this information is available to us as business owners, and we're going to be using that. Yeah, so so, so let me describe that, and, and especially the next section we're going into now, which is accessing the world's problems. Like I said, in the... Mm -hmm. it, Back in the day, uh, when I was reading the Boron letters, they could purchase a mailing list. Now, the mailing list g gave them those those examples. Okay, these are people's uh, problems. Perfect. But that meant you have to go purchase a list. That list was, you know, viable for a set period of time. You could answer their problems. You know, there's lots of factors that play into that. But what we're saying is we can now take that to another level, which is access the world's problems 24-7. Um, globally as well. Now, there's two ways we can do this, the complex way and the simple way. So let me describe the complex way in which we can do this. We can, we can go into a deep dive in Google AdWords and identify and pull out data from people's essentially search queries on 
you know, I have this problem. And even as far as what kind of adverts they're clicking and this data is great. So if we're looking at Carl's business, how to learn Chinese, we can even restrict that to the UK. So now what we can do is we can look at the data and start to uh, start to segment it, whether it's geography, interest, but we can restrict it to the UK. We can even narrow it down even further into London. You can look at how many people search for this information per month and you can compare lots of different criteria. Now, this is great. This is great if you are data driven uh, and we can geek out on this all day. So this is, you know, I'm talking about it. Otherwise, Carl won't stop talking about it, which is one of his specialist areas, which is he can look at this data, pull it apart, analyze it, decode it and say, right, this is what the data means. There's an opportunity here, or actually there's no opportunity here. It's kind of the stuff, this is a more complex version of what we were talking about yesterday, but but diving in a bit narrower now, we're finding out what are the problems that we can solve. But yeah, and it's a free it's a free tool and you can do an experiment with it. It's just not what we're covering today. Yes. So we can look at that data and it's exciting. It's fun for some people. For me, that's not exciting whatsoever. I like when Carl's done that work and says, okay, there's an opportunity here. Then I get excited. So for this stage, it's complex and it is too much for now. And the assumption mm -hmm. is that some people will have that skill set, some people won't. So what can we do to be indifferent to whether you have the skills or not, like the marketplace, and give you a more simpler version? So Carl, what's a simpler way that we can access the world's problems, um, you know, whatever they have that they're plugging into Google, essentially, which is our, our first go-to? Absolutely. So there are other companies and other websites that pull that data from Google and make it a bit more accessible uh, to us. They give us uh, reports which show us just the information we need to know and they get rid of all the extra information. Um, so it makes it a lot simpler for us. The one we use a lot is a website called answerthepublic.com. Answerthepublic.com. It's free. I think you can do three searches a day. About three that. Three to five. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then after that, you're meant to have a paid, uh, you need a paid account, but you can just go back the next day if you really need to keep doing searches. Yeah. Um, the basic idea, and I recommend you go and check out the site, um, is you plug in your niche, um, and it needs to be one or two words, so it shouldn't be Pilates for um, men between 50 and 60 with back problems. It shouldn't be something long like that because it's not going to, be able to give you any useful information. It should just be something like med um, Pilates or Pilates back pain. Uh, technically, it should be one or two words tops, um, mm. and that's going to give you the best results. You can play around with it, though. So, yeah. for example, I plugged in backyard chickens. So we've been talking about backyard chickens. It's a apparently a very profitable niche um, for people who want to <clears throat> grow chickens. No. Raise chickens. Raise chickens, get <laughs> eggs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. raise chickens um, in your backyard. Even if you live in a city, you can tell you can tell we're city folk. I live in a flat. Grow chickens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I put in backyard chickens, and what answer the public does is it pulls all of the the pertinent questions, the uh, the problems, the top concerns that people have. Um, people are going to Google and typing in these questions to learn more about backyard chickens. So it gives us a really good example, um, a really good rundown of all of the things that are on their mind, all of the things they're worrying about, all of the things they want to solve. Uh, and answer the public gives us a list. It's like, this is what they are asking. So I pulled a few and we have things like, will backyard chickens fly away? That's a huge one. Uh, how many backyard chickens can I get? Can backyard chickens get salmonella? Um, I have a list of another 55 questions. Can backyard chickens eat avocados? Uh, what kills backyard chickens? What do the backyard chickens eat? When to feed backyard, chicken, uh, backyard chickens? Um, it goes on and on and on and on and on. Can you, raise, can you raise backyard chickens if you live in a flat and have a tiny balcony? That would be my question. Uh, let me check. That's cans. very specific. Well, for that, you'd put in something like backyard chicken small space, and it would yeah. give you questions related um, to that. You need to be, you need to use the language that your market is using. So what I like to do is go to forums and go to groups and see what kind of terms that they use, uh, and then going to be able to get the most out of this tool. Um, so backyard chickens, you'd go to a backyard chicken um, website. It's going to, it's one of those uh, phrases that the more you say it, the more obvious. 
absurd it sounds. I know. Chickens, backyard chickens. I, I, I yeah. just feel like it's going to become my example for the whole week, which is cool because it's quite fun. It's great because previously we've talked about yoga instructors. Now it's backyard chickens. Yeah, it's it's backyard great. chickens are also an amazing uh, example of a niche because when people are thinking about niches, they're thinking about Pilates or something massive. Yeah, they're thinking too about big, big yeah. markets. Yeah, but if people are making money and good money in something as weird and obscure as having raising chickens in your urban garden, um, that gives you an example of you can really make money anywhere online. If you find your niche, um, mm. it doesn't really matter how odd uh, or how uh, well, how odd it seems to us. Obviously, for people who have backyard chickens, it's not odd, but it doesn't really matter. There's going to be a market. As long as there's a market, there's a business. Yeah, I got, I've got. Actually, when you introduced this, I've got, I've got like two or three friends uh, who have backyard chickens, and I was like, actually, this is really? a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Up, up north in, in the north of England, but they do have backyard chickens. I'm pretty sure we live across an allotment and I feel like they have some there, but I'm not sure. I don't know if that's against the rules. Um, but yeah, that's the key. So let's just put, let's just put this into context now. Um, we've gone from identifying, uh, you know, the fact that what is valuable, how do we create something of value? How do we shift the mindset of becoming a problem solver? And now we're accessing the the world's problems that they mm. have given given to Google and then Google gives it to marketers, niche identifiers, people who want to start a business, entrepreneurs. And the difference between my gut feeling on, oh, I wonder what people are asking about backyard chickens. Instead, these are real questions from real people. And who are these people? These are the market. You know, yesterday you identified the who, the market. And now we're talking about what problems do these who people have within this market? What are their real problems? So, you know, remember the logical chain we built to this point is we build a business. And I've got a note here. We build a business by creating value for our market. That's, you know, logical chain. We create value by solving problems for our market. So it's the who. And then it's the what. It's very powerful. What problem does this market have? You know, based on the example that Carl had, they are worried about their backyard chickens flying away. That's that's a problem. It's a legit problem. If you said that to your friend down the pub, they're going to say, ah, what are you talking about? Who the hell's got backyard chickens? Well, actually, these are real so questions. You should, you should sell fidget spinners or cryptocurrency, like whatever the fad is. Yes. Um, whereas if instead what we've done is identified a niche, a niche that's really popular and now we've identified real problems in that niche mm. um, and that is such a powerful place to be in so once you have those problems you can answer those problems that creates value that creates your business yeah and and this so, is not so ignore like, your mate at the pub ignore your mate at the pub ignore the news headlines this is the next big business trend ignore ignore the top 10 blog blog items the top 10 trends look once it's hit the media it's a bit too late the reason nobody's talking about backyards chickens becoming a be, being a profitable niche is because people are doing it like they're just getting on and doing it they're not going to share with the world that hey my backyard uh, solution for people who have problems backyard chicken solution is like such a profitable niche everybody come and join it like that stuff stays private so if you're ever curious about how do these people make money this is it they identify a niche they find out what problems people have within the niche and then they get on and do it that's what they're doing they're not they're not selling the idea of um, backyard chicken uh, protection or whatever it is. They're not selling the idea. What they're doing is they're building their business from a niche they've identified. So hopefully you feel like we've gone from from abstract, which is what is a niche? You know, what is what is a niche for me to identify? Who is the market? What problems do they have? Into something very real and very specific, something that can be practi practically applied and. If you think about what we're talking about here, we're talking about providing value to solve their problem. That's the key. And the way we first do that is by answering, and look, we're picking one example, but answering the question of whether backyard chickens fly away or not, you know, how we can help that problem. So we're not, so how, Carl, just to bring it to a grounding level, we're not talking about a product yet, are we? We're not saying, okay, great. That means you could just dive in and start creating a product around that one question. Yeah, so right now we're talking about uh, what value are we producing. Mm -hmm. um, but tomorrow we're going to be talking about how we actually provide that value. So tomorrow we'll be talking about products. Tomorrow yes. we'll be talking about services. Um, but you might already, now you've identified a problem, 
this is where your creativity kicks in. This is where we can start to think, okay, now this is a real problem. There are 5,000 people a month searching for how do I stop my backyard chickens flying away in the UK. That's a market, okay, that's a real problem. Now, um, now I can exercise my creativity um, and my imagination and create products and create services to help with the problem. So it might be a training manual about how to keep your chickens safe, how to mm. keep them in your garden. It might be a special coop, chicken coop that stops them flying away. I don't know, maybe it's got mesh or something. Maybe you sell a special mesh uh, frame you can put around your garden, something like that. Mm. Um, maybe you it's a sell... way to mark or track chickens, like a little GPS collar. I don't yeah. know what it is. It could be oils. This... We, we bought 200 quid's worth of uh, high potent oils the other day um because it helps with pregnancy and things like that so there could be oils that deter chickens from flying away like the oil keeps them there like this you know oh, they're the yeah, yeah. keep spiders away uh, we, from that, so. so we don't know we don't know what those products are but oh, this yeah. now as a um as a creative entrepreneur as a business person this these are the actual problems you solve whereas previously coming into online business or coming into business you might have said i've got this great pheromone oil to keep chickens away or something yeah. like that. You didn't know whether this was necessarily a product that fits yeah. anywhere. Um, it was you creating a product out of your out of nowhere uh, without any reference to the market. Point. Yeah, yeah, you were not you were not a, you're the <laughs> kind of person who would have gone into the dragon's den and they'd be like, what the hell is this? But now what we've done is we said, all right, no, I'm gonna make something of value. My business is based on making something of value. How do I make how do I create value? I solve people's problems okay what are their problems here are their problems google has a list of their problems i can go through them all and for each of these now the creative juices you know um, are flowing and i'm coming up with product and service ideas based on these specific problems and i know that these are problems that the market has and therefore i have a much higher chance of these being successful products and services we're going to go into this tomorrow um, but i know a few of you are probably already jumping ahead and thinking, okay, well, how do I, how do I provide this value? That's tomorrow. How? Yeah, that is tomorrow. So we'll help you with a process on that tomorrow. But creative, cre creatively, yeah. Now go ahead. Allow the mind to wonder because we can now only do this once we know the problem, and that's mm -hmm. important. And what's fascinating is, I, you know, I actually stopped watching Dragons Den after a couple of seasons because it started to really annoy me. But I don't think anybody has gone in there and said, "Hey guys, this is my product." There's 5,000 people searching for this a month. That's your guaranteed customer base. If we can convert 10% of that, here's a product. It's a perfect market fit. I just need some money to help me build the product. I've never seen that. You know, it's all this. That would be very boring TV. And I'd be like, oh, God, oh, that's what a boring business person or entrepreneur. Get the hell yeah. out of here. Uh, what, what a good idea. <laughs> exactly. We like the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, all, all that stuff is happening with, like, let's call them legit entrepreneurs, people who are. Uh, and whether it's intentional or not, if they follow this path, they're thinking like an entrepreneur. They're, they're finding the problem. They're applying their own expertise. Like me and Carl wouldn't be into the chicken coop creation. It's not our natural expertise. But for somebody out there, they've identified this and they're nailing it. So so well done to them. Um, well, you're okay. a vegan, so it's definitely not aligned with your values. No, it's not aligned with my values. So I'm, I'm not interested <laughs> whatsoever uh, with, with chicken coops and things like that. I might, I might, I might have a coop to protect them and save them. Um, but then I won't know what to do with the eggs and things like that. But anyway, again, I have no I have no knowledge on this subject. But what we what we've but shown the, you, but that's the point. We, we don't need knowledge on the subject. Yes, we've shown your process. Yes, um, we've gone through and we've identified niches and markets, um, and we started from the point of view of based on what you know or what you're good at. Then you go through that process. We've just been showing you the process abstractly. It's a bit boring if we just do niches that we already know. Yeah, because yeah, then we'll yeah. be able to tell you this works, this works, this works. Instead, we've gone through with a uh, a niche backyard chickens that we know nothing about, but we can still apply the process too. Yes, and if and that's, you, that's and it, important part of this week. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are interested in backyard chickens, then you've got a business on a plate to start running with, um, based on the research that we've done. So there you go. Now here's a final note um, as we close this uh, show off today. A final note on problems and looking at them in a deeper way, looking beyond the surface, because what we've done now is amazing, but it is surface. What we So let's take that example. We've looked at the problem of runaway chickens. That's the problem that people have, 
um, and they've come to the internet with that problem and we can help them solve that. That's great. But what is their real problem? And the deeper we go, the more we can solve their true problem. So what are we talking about here, Kyle? Because the, the often people are talking about the, and I, in my mind, I like to think of it as features and benefits, but let's, let's talk about it as solving a problem on a deeper level. So that's the surface. Mm. My chickens are running away. How do I solve that problem? Great. So when we ask people what their problem is, they will often give us a symptom. They're not actually um, giving us the problem. Um, so if I say, hey, what's wrong? And you say, oh, I've got a headache. Um, the problem there is not that they have a headache. The headache is a symptom of them having drunk too much the other day or being dehydrated or being overstressed. The problem is the stress, the dehydration, or um, the heavy drinking the day before. The symptom is the headache. But when we use everyday language, we tend to talk about um, our symptom. What's your problem? Oh, I've got a headache. Mm. And so what we need to do is peel away layers. Um, and this allows us to, in everyday life, work out things. Right? So why do you have a headache? Oh, wow, I drank six pints last night. Okay, well, that's your problem. Your problem, problem. is you drank six pints. <laughs> not, yeah. yeah, it's not the headache. Um, but we peel away questions by asking why um, each stage. We can do this with backyard chickens. We can do this with every problem that people come to us with. We so, just so, each say why. So let me, let me use the backyard chicken example as a problem. Mm. So we can always go deeper with it. That's what we're saying. So for each problem, we ask why. So if we if somebody came to us and said, how do I, which, which they are doing online, how do I stop my chickens uh, flying away? The question is, so why is this important to you? Is it the fact, simply the fact that chickens are flying away? But what's the real issue here? Uh, and they may say, uh, so that my chickens are safe. Okay, but why is that important? Um, because I care for them and my kids have an emotional attachment to them. Okay, now we're getting to a deeper problem. Somebody else's answer could be because they cost so much money to raise or that's my, that's, that's my source of eggs or that's my source of whatever. So, so in that case, it's food, it's security, it's emotional, it's love and care. So that's their real problem. So what, why this is great is if we can speak to their deeper problem, we cut through even the noise of somebody just solving the surface level problem because when they read it they're like actually yeah if 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 i can stop my kids from being really upset and mourning the loss of this chicken that's such a weird example but mourning the loss of the chicken then my life will be a lot happier so actually they want their real problem is they want their life to be happy and the best way to do that is stop these chickens from flying away so the flying the way element is the symptom that's the thing that will happen but what does that what's the real problem that causes them so that's an example of that and again we're just talking and we're just riffing on this but that's the kind of question process you will go through either yourself or with some kind of people who have this problem that's that's the kind of way to think about this put yourself in their shoes is another quick way to do this mm -hmm. i mean you say that not wanting the chickens to die so you're kids aren't upset is a silly example it's not most of the questions um related to backyard chickens are about the safety of the chickens ah, there um, there, there's a underlying theme i mean i don't want to read them all but there are a lot like what kills backyard chickens um how do backyard chickens get salmonella um blah, blah, blah. it's about keeping it's them safe more. why am i backyard chickens dying uh, why do backyard chickens die a lot of them are about um yeah, keeping the keeping the chickens safe. Um, so they are about this security or belonging, like having you know, having them as pets and you actually care for them, um, or having the relationship with the animals or with your child. A lot of the questions that have been shown up by answer the public are related to this. They're not about things like how much money can I make with my backyard chickens. They're not about how healthy are the eggs um, from my backyard chickens. It's not money. It's not necessarily health, it's more about this um, caring and nurturing and wanting them to be a part of your life. Yeah. Um, so we can look at all the questions and do this why process. And if we find there are common threads that we keep coming back to, that's an extremely strong piece of information here. But now mm. we know why people get backyard chickens. Yeah, we, we know exactly what makes the who in, for, for many, many reasons. Um, so nail this part. Nail this deeper process. And look, the first stage is okay. 
you know, I feel like you'll still gain traction there. You'll still be able to operate your business. But if we can get deeper, it's it's an amazing place in terms of the information you now gathered. You can talk directly to them as people within a marketplace rather than just speaking to the marketplace. So nail this and you will genuinely know your market. So it's amazing. So I think hopefully today has left you, there's no like intentional actions of today, but you know, what we've, what we've discussed is the fact that a business must create something of value or value to whom ultimately it's the market who decides what is valuable is the market. Do they care about RCS or no? It's indifferent. They're, they're just completely indifferent. We create value for the market by solving problems. We spoke about that and shifting the mindset. We, uh, we also spoke about tools which can help you identify what problems do the market have and we can delve into these problems, which is amazingly important to us because it goes from our friend in the pub saying we've got a cracking idea to actually identifying people's real problems that they search because what people say and what people do are, is always two different things and Google history and Google's data that they collect sadly doesn't lie. So, you know, if there was one to do, Kyle, what, what, because today was really wanting to focus on the theory of this, the principle of this, because if you really grasp this and we have chucked a few tools in there and practical how to's, but if you really grasp this, it changes the future period for all business that, businesses that you approach. And I'm so glad that we do these shows now because it also reiterates for us because because it's easy to sway off course and have these internal ideas, but with no evidence, without any proof that a really market exists. Now, I might think it's a great idea, but what does the market say? So this data-driven approach is fantastic. So if there was a to do, yeah, go for it. I'm hoping that some people are watching this and they are sitting there with their head in their hands like, oh, I've been doing it wrong. Um, because at least you've had that realisation now. And yeah, it's tough and that's going to be annoying and you're going to have to reconfigure how you do business and really how you approach the world. It's going to be about giving, giving, giving uh, rather than receiving quite as much. But if you have had that kind of realisation, um, we have the Slack group so we can help you through that kind of transition um, because it's a big mindset mindset yeah. shift and we know this um, absolutely if you are just starting out an online business and you can grok this you can get this early on great you're in a really good position yeah absolutely um, oh so to do sorry the sorry, question so, you're yeah, asking so, so what, the actual to do yeah what yeah. Do we leave them with as a to do off the back of today's show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so hopefully if you've been following through over the week yesterday you have now shortlisted three four five markets um, or niches that you're interested in exploring so now what you need to do is head over to answer the public plug in the name of that niche again keep it one or two words um, as short as possible answer the public is going to output a beautifully displayed um, uh, report of all of the questions that are being asked um, also in order of the most frequently frequently asked so you can start to get an idea of what the problems are within the market that you're interested in serving. Um, and once you know the problems, you think of solutions, that's what we're going to be doing tomorrow in the how. Yeah, fantastic. And look, it's hard to ask people, uh, you know, what is your problem? Because often they'll talk about the symptoms and we've discussed this mm-hmm. in today's show. Uh, what's wrong is the headache. That's the symptom. Just remember that we have to look beyond the symptom and try to find out the reality of what their problem is. Uh, and it comes with practice. The more you do it, the moment somebody says something to you, it says you, you start to become a, a psychotherapist or a therapist. Ah, that's not your, that's not the real problem, is it? That's the problem. And they're like, oh my god, how did you know that? So it just becomes this this cool superpower that you'll gain over time with practice. Um, so yeah, enjoy the process. And it will make you a better online business owner going forward as well. The fact that you can quickly dive deep into what the true problem is. Now, remember, before we sign off, subscribe, follow the show, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube. We are shooting every day live Monday to Friday at 12 o'clock on YouTube and live thereafter on Facebook and Twitch. And I'm sure we'll expand it to other areas. The show notes will be available for transcript, etc., on bbo.show. So go check us out there. Remember, there's also a Slack group, which is completely free, which you can join when me and Kyle hang out. And that's the best best place for us to answer your questions because look, we have hour-long shows. They're in depth. We cover a lot and we don't know the nuances of your specific business. So if mm-hmm. you are struggling to go deeper, if you're struggling to go from symptom 
to real problem. If you're struggling to work out what is the problem online that people are sharing online, how to access that, let us know in Slack. That's where we can help you. So join the Slack group. That is all. Everything I spoke about is in the link below. And remember, we've got a, a guide which is available on Amazon, which provides you 200 plus different ways with commentary on how to make cash at home, especially right now, if you're listening to this, there's coronavirus, COVID-19, we're locked down, we're either short of cash, we've got more time on our hands, uh, we we could be wanting to explore a different career path going forward and we need cash to bridge that uh, gap, that's fine. We talk about many different ways in that book, especially within the categories of no skill required whatsoever, leveraging the power of the English language that you already have in place. Number three is if do you have any professional skills? We talk about that. And do you have any creative skills and how to leverage all of those items and make you cash from less than a pound to anything which could be up to the thousands and thousands of dollars slash pounds, depending on where you are based. Awesome. Enjoy that book. It hit number two in the job hunt category on Amazon uh, as a bestseller. So go check that out and enjoy that. And that's it for myself and Kyle. We'll see you on tomorrow's show. See you tomorrow.